Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello, and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Aaron Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, what's the worst prank you've ever witnessed? Oh, dear me. When I was working in the White House for President Obama, one time he put a plate full of dairy right in front of me, and I said, Brock, you know that's not my thing. It's my whole brand not to eat things like this. And he said, eat it. And yet what happened... It was April Fool's Day. He was messing with me. I would have eaten that entire plate because I, Aaron Ryan, am from Wisconsin. And you know we love our cheese. Right. You're always talking about that, Aaron Ryan, being from Wisconsin and also the cheese that they produce there. Mm, You know what? I think you and I just really love pranks. We should have started in that movie that Eric Andre and Lil Rel are in. Duh. Or Jackass. That would have been good, too. (laughs) Or something. Okay, that's enough about pranks. Let's hear what we've got going on this week. This week, Ensei Ufot, Michaela Watkins, and Megan Gailey joined to tackle the following questions. Why are Republicans targeting trans kids right now? Are we winning the battle for voting rights in Georgia? Is this summer going to be a sloppy summer of social catch-up or a reserved summer of elbow bumps and dinner reservations? And did the NCAA's weight room slight of the women's basketball players actually bring more attention to the better March Madness? All this and more right now. Okay, uh, let's get to the show. We have, uh, Alyssa, news just keeps on happening. And it keeps being not great. No, I mean, we've. I think we've brought up the Lucy in the Chocolate Factory comparison before on this show. But I really- you know, Lucy from I Love Lucy when she's a child. Oh, I thought you were talking Lucy pulling the football from Charlie Brown, which is also accurate. No, I'm talking nice Lucy, not chaotic evil Lucy. Copy that. Yeah, but I sometimes feel like that with news. Like, it's just a conveyor belt, but instead of, like, delicious chocolate, there's just, like, pieces of garbage that keep coming out, and there's no place to throw it. Agree. And, uh, yeah, so let's get to one of the the garbage news stories today. Okay, first piece of garbage news. Uh, Felicia Somnez 
from the Washington Post, is a national political reporter who has been in the news recently for a, uh, I think it's safe to call it a sort of institutional fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. A really discouraging institutional fuck up. So, um... After Kobe Bryant died last year, she uh, tweeted a link to an article about allegations of sexual assault against Bryant that were made in 2003. And as a result of that tweet, she was placed on leave by the executive editor of The Post. Marty Baron, the executive editor of The Post, also emailed her saying, Felicia, a real lack of judgment to tweet this. Please stop. You're hurting this institution by doing this. So she was put on leave. Uh, The union didn't like it. And uh, when she came back, she was blocked from covering anything related to sexual misconduct or the Me Too movement um, because she herself was a survivor of uh, sexual assault. She had uh, reported another journalist for um, sexual misconduct. Alyssa, can you enumerate some of the ways that the Washington Post fucked up here? Well, Erin, it's very interesting because— to say that essentially she had a conflict of interest, right? That she couldn't report on sexual misconduct because she herself had been a victim of sexual misconduct. Like, Erin, how does that even make sense? It's like saying if you speak French, you can't report on France. Um, That if you, and also it's really like questioning her Judgment. If you were a kid who grew up playing football and you were a man, can you not report on football? Like it is, mm-hmm. it assumes a level of uh, uh, hysteria or irrationality or that she can't separate one from the other. I mean, it was, it's just like, it's pretty, like, I have to be honest. I have looked at this story many times and every time it's one of those, I say I have to read over and over because I think my reading comprehension is failing. Cause I'm like, what is this? This is, what is this? This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they only just rescinded the ban on her covering right. sexual misconduct-related issues on March 29th. Um, and the thing, Alyssa, you're, you're hitting on something important. It's like the logic behind it, if you try to just like untangle what it could mean, is that in instances of sexual assault and only sexual assault or misconduct, it makes the survivor so crazy yeah. that they're incapable of reporting on it. There's literally nothing else that makes you too crazy to report on something. Nope. Like, I mean, okay, here's something that can be traumatic for a person. Uh, cancer. If you are a cancer survivor, um, should you not be allowed to write about anybody who is who's dealing with cancer or anybody who's researching cancer? Uh, that's something that can be deeply traumatic and then can affect your you know, relationship to the story. Like, why is sexual assault or misconduct the only thing that makes somebody too close to a story to be able to report on it? It's not like it's a person. You know, it's not like, it's not like rape is a dude who shows up at your door and it's like, it's me, rape, not your friend. Now that you know me, you can't report on me at all. It's like, totally. It's like, it's like saying, what they're basically saying is that she, it's like, it would be as if she had been assaulted by Harvey Weinstein and was like the reporter on the beat. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe mm-hmm. in that instance, you could say that your objectivity might be a little blurred. And honestly, I think that's something we'd all self-report. We'd be like, you know what? This is not for, this is, I'm too mad about this. This happened to me. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is saying that she can't cover an entire category mm-hmm. because 
she can't handle it. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty fucking wild. Yeah. And like the, another piece of like disturbing subtext is like, so we want people reporting on sexual misconduct who have never experienced it. Like we want people who don't really know what they're talking about right. to talk about this. Correct. Like what? That just seems like so nonsensical. So stupid. Yeah. It's nonsensical and, and really backwards. And, I, and it's like a, it's like a move to deliberately make it more difficult for people to have an understanding and empathy for survivors. And I just, I'm, I'm glad and kind of encouraged by the outcry over this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I really hope that the spanking the Washington Post, normally a great paper that I personally subscribe to, uh, I hope that this public spanking they got discourages other news outlets from enacting similar policies. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, now let's move on to another piece of garbage on the conveyor belt that is our world. Uh, this year has been a uh, record year for Republican state legislators introducing anti-transgender legislation. I do want to add that, you know, we're recording this on the uh, International Trans Day of Visibility. You're listening to this probably on the day after the International Trans Day of Visibility. Um, Alyssa, what do you make of the flurry of bills that are being introduced across the country to... uh, target trans kids? I mean, Erin, I feel like they are uh, akin to these terrible uh, voter restriction laws that we are seeing. It's like the Republicans will do anything, not all Republicans, these Republicans, will do anything to hurt people and make people feel less than and other. And, you know, the one thing about what's happening in in Arkansas is that the actual name of the bill is the Arkansas Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, the SAFE Act. And the thing about this is that a couple weeks ago, I'm sure you remember, there was a dad in Missouri. Missouri was talking about a similar bill. And the dad went before the... um, the assembly or the committee, whatever it was, to say that he tried to make his child, who was transgendered, um, not be themselves because he didn't want them to struggle. He didn't want the family to struggle. He thought it was just going to be so hard. And he said that the minute he let her be her, that she was a new person, that she had been withdrawn, that she had been depressed, and now she was this carefree child as she should be. And how anyone could know that or hear that story and then move forward with this basket of bullshit is just like, who does this hurt? How does this affect you? It doesn't. It only makes people's lives easier and more equitable. And the fact that this is like Arkansas's fucking response is just so like disheartening and gross. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's happening. Arkansas, Alabama, South Carolina, Oklahoma. There's like so many states that have done this and they've introduced bills to prevent um, trans kids from receiving gender affirming care, which this is, this is something that only applies to a subset of trans kids. Like there are trans kids that present uh, as their gender without having hormonal therapy. You know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. is, I, I feel like this is a uh, a Republican attempt to conflate letting somebody who is assigned a gender at birth and then just, and then is something else, like letting them live as they 
as they need to live and present as they need to present is not the same thing as intervening medically. Right. So as they move into adulthood, you know, that's a choice that I think families should be able to make without input from representatives who I don't think any of them ever have like met a trans kid. Correct. You know, like, like, <laughs> I don't, it's like, I don't think, do you understand like what, how, look, I'm, I'm a cis woman. I'm a cisgender woman. I've never felt like, you know, questioning living the gender I've assigned, I've been assigned at birth. That's, Same. and for that, I feel like, you know, I don't have a deep understanding of the personal experience of trans kids, but I do have a relative who is trans. And I have to say, things have not been easy for him. Mm-hmm. You know, things have not been easy for him being a, a teenager assigned one gender at birth and now living as a different gender. And I just can't imagine that these lawmakers have any real empathy for these for these kids. You know, it's not fucking easy. Well, it's also, I mean, there's there's plenty of research too that that backs up exactly what you're saying. Because according to the Trevor Project's national survey on LGBTQ youth mental health, in 2020, 52% of transgender and non-binary kids have considered suicide and 25 have att- 21% have attempted it. Like how can you read that and think and sit there and vote for this bullshit? And they have no good reason other than the fact they just want to be fucking dicks. They want to be fucking dicks. And here's another thing, Alyssa. These bitches can't govern again. Another these, one these, for the books of the dicks who can't govern. <laughs> the, yeah, the, 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 these bitches can't govern. They can't govern. And in order to cover for that fact, what they're doing is making a giant show about passing laws that— enact incredible amounts of cruelty on a tiny portion of the population and like make a huge deal about culture wars so that it it presents the illusion that they're actually doing something. In reality, they fucking are bad at their jobs. Bad at their jobs. Bad at their jobs. And this is just an attempt to smoke screen for it. And they also have no agenda besides hurting people and, and, and taking people's rights away. Um, I want to talk briefly before we move on to toast and roast because we've got a deep bench of toasting we and do roasting indeed. this week. Um, I want to talk about the sports bans. There are a lot of states that are making noise about like, quote unquote, protecting women's sports. And I got to say, I can't help but notice that the people that are all of a sudden really concerned about women's sports, yeah, they're men, men. Who, uh, who I guarantee you do not watch women's sports. Correct. They only They use women when we are a tool for them to somehow subjugate other people. Like they don't give a shit about women's. They're not watching women's soccer. They're not (laughs) watching, they're not watching women's gymnastics. They're not watching women's tennis. They're not watching women's track. They're not watching women's basketball. In fact, they're probably making jokes about women's basketball, but now they're coming in grandstanding about how much they care about women's sports. Fuck. Fuck you. you. Fuck those guys. The gig is, we are, we are not going to pretend to take their arguments seriously when they're only pretending to care about us. Like, we're just not doing that. Yeah, we Sorry. also, we don't need their care. We've got each other. We've got each other. Yeah, seriously. Have you ever seen the women's national soccer team? Yeah, they've got it covered. They're fine. They don't need you. <laughs> they super don't need you. Okay, now that we're past the uh, garbage conveyor belt, Let's real quick offer some toasts to some dearly departed women this week who I feel like, in addition to having obituaries, deserve standing ovations. Um, Alyssa, do you want to kick us off? 
I want to kick us off with Beverly Cleary. Beverly Cleary, when she passed away this week and I went to my parents' house, the first thing my dad said was, did you see the news about Beverly Cleary? You loved her so much. Um, And I do. She wrote over 40 books. Over 90 million copies of her books have been sold. And Erin, you can attest right now, I'm even sporting a Ramona Quimby-style haircut today. (laughs) But she she was so, uh, all of her books were so special to me. They are literally what got me into reading. It was a thing called Pig Out on Books in first or second grade. And the more books that you read, you got a little pig that you got to put on the hallway wall that showed how many books you read. And I read them all. Uh, And she's just 104 years old. May she rest in eternal peace, the baddest, best bitch there has ever been. Yeah, truly incredible. I I was thinking as you were talking, like, oh, she's the Stephen King of, like, kids being, like, quirky kids being, like, written about with understanding. But then I was like, no, no, no. Stephen King is the Beverly Cleary of horror. That is exactly correct. She's the original, and he is, like, a, a great example of somebody sort of like her within his genre. But, yeah, Beverly Cleary really normalized to me, like, little kids that were, like, a little bit, you know, imaginative and had their creativity encouraged rather than discouraged. It wasn't like Ramona was a character that was never like obsessed with like being pretty. No. She was way more in her head and like in her imagination. And I just really liked the messiness of that family. It it felt like, like very imperfect, but at the same time, very safe. Um, and yeah, she was a real, a real legend and 104 years old, man. She lived a good life. It's a good life. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about somebody else who passed in this past week. Actress Jessica Walter, who passed last week at age 80. Um, she's an award-winning, she was an award-winning actor. Uh, her career spanned six decades. She was in uh, Clint Eastwood's directorial debut, Play Misty for Me. She was also on FX's Archer. And also she was Lucille Bluth on Arrested Development. The thing that really makes me so sad about this is, you know, she had this incredible career and she was only 80. And I like, it feels like an only to me because she's everything she just did in recent years, she hit completely out of the park. It is so true. Lucille Bluth is just like an iconic old cunt. She is. She is. I just, I just love her. Jessica Walter made Lucille Bluth both the most hateable possible character and the most lovable possible character at the same time. Like what a talent. And it's uh, sad that we've lost her. I mean, Um, vodka for breakfast. I'll have (laughs) toast too. I mean, she was just, uh, she really was. It's a banana, Michael. What does it cost? $10? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I want to do... Okay, so moving on from the dearly departed part of the toast, we have a toast for somebody who is like... I, I just like want to bet the entire future of America on her. I'm so excited about this person. On Tuesday, President Biden announced his new nominee to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia to replace Merrick Garland, who is now the Attorney General. Um, and that is Katanji Brown Jackson. If you don't know her name, get to know her name. She's now in a position to be basically a shove-in for the Supreme Court once she's confirmed uh, and, and moved up. She's 50 years old. 
so she's young. She's from Miami and she won a national oratory championships in high school. She graduated from Harvard and Harvard Law School and she was the editor of the Law Review. So very much an underachiever. <laughs> um, she had been a clerk for Justice Stephen Breyer, uh, who's 82 now and uh, who's currently on the court who should retire, but we'll see if he'll actually do it. Um, she also was a public defender when she was practicing law. And here's a fun thing about Judge uh, Brown Jackson. Her husband is obsessed with her and how smart she is. Like when she was a lawyer, he's a doctor. And uh, there's this great anecdote in this NPR story about her. Did you read this, Alyssa? No. Oh, my God. Okay, so he's a doctor. They met at Harvard. He's like a sixth-generation Harvard grad, and she's like a second-generation college grad. And they just, like, fell in love, and they've been together ever since. And he would come off 24-hour shifts at the hospital and, like, go watch her in court because he was so fascinated by— Oh, my by goodness. It. So, we're, yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's like a Marty Ginsburg I was gonna, style. I was going to say that's RBG-level love story. Yeah, but one time in this NPR story, it says that one time he was so disheveled because he had come off a 24-hour shift at the hospital that the bailiff was like, should we remove the homeless man from the courtroom? <laughs> 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 nope, it's just a devoted husband who's interested in his brilliant wife and seeing her work. So um, Judge Brown Jackson is uh, an exciting addition to the D.C. Court of Appeals. Um, okay, well, we have oh, we have a roast Late-breaking roast, Alyssa. Of course we do. There's <laughs> do only wanna, one. There's only one roast. Do you want to you roast this guy? Okay. Come on down, <laughs> Matt Gates, you stupid motherfucker. Uh, so <laughs> it seems that Matt Gates is being investigated by the Justice Department over whether he had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old and paid for her to travel with him, according to three people briefed on the matter. Okay, couple things. Anyone who is hearing us talk about this now has probably already seen the Tucker Carlson interview, which was not just by my standards, but also by Tucker's, among the craziest he's ever seen, where he <laughs> keeps trying to be like, sex trafficking, you know, Tucker, you know what I'm talking about. And he was like trying to moonwalk into the bushes. He's like, I do not know what you are talking about. <laughs> or he was like, oh, are you talking about the person who stalked me like many, like 17 years ago or whatever it was? But Matt Gates told on himself so many times in this interview, it was like, he's like, there are no pictures. Nobody asked if there were pictures telling on yourself, <laughs> Matt. Put that, go ahead and put that iconic gas mask on again, you stupid motherfucker. I hope that picture haunts him for the rest of his life. When Tucker Carlson turns on you, it is fucking game over. Mitch McConnell is not returning his phone calls today. I can tell you that much. Oh my God. Yeah, that guy is really... He's he's accomplished so much in the realm of being a, a shitbag at such a young age. Like he's everything about him is is weird and not right. And uh it's it's truly crazy. Like reading more about the investigation, I mean, like having a, a man that age having a relationship with an underage person. Who he is, called a woman. Not underage a woman, woman. Okay, child. underage woman isn't a phrase. That's an that's an underage human being or a child. You can call <laughs> them a child. That's the same thing with like adult children. No, you're yeah. an adult. You're an underage woman, adult children. No, none of the. That's both not real things. Um, he's a big old creep, and 
I really hope that he gets his just desserts because I am ready. I'm ready. I am ready. I am waiting with bated breath. Breath that is bated. That's great. Um, I'm also waiting with bated breath. And I hope we don't have to bait for very long because it feels (laughs) like feels like the hammer is coming down on him. And I can't say that he didn't deserve it. Um, Okay, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, we have an interview with Ensei Ufat of the New Georgia Project, who can give us some insight into all the crap that's going down in Georgia. And welcome back. Today, we are excited to welcome back to Hysteria Ensei Ufat. She's the chief executive officer of the New Georgia Project and the New Georgia Project Action Fund. Her tireless efforts to register all eligible unregistered voters in her home state of Georgia led to one of the most exciting senatorial sweeps in recent memory. But on the heels of that Democratic success, Georgia lawmakers have introduced and passed new laws that further restrict voting rights. And fuck all those guys. I know you're a professional Ensei. Thank you for joining us, Ensei, and helping us make sense of all this. Yeah, no, um, for sure. Fuck those guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Fuck good. Those you could guys. See, we have like people who can say fuck those guys, but we we feel the spirit of fuck those guys. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then we have people who just come out and say it, and we really appreciate you being among the fuck those guys coming out and saying it. Is, it is an honor <laughs> to find my people. <laughs> so. Um. So first of all, why are Republicans so terrified about letting Georgians exercise their basic right to vote? Um, I mean, I think that they've told us themselves that if everyone votes, they will no longer be in power. That uh, if if Georgians were allowed access to um, unmolested ballots uh, and they didn't have to clear extraordinary hurdles in order to participate in our elections, that they would very much be the minority party if they continue to exist at all. Mm -hmm. And you're dealing with a sort of scary situation in Georgia right now. Like this is shit is getting real down there. Do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about what you're dealing with today on the ground? Yeah, absolutely. We just moved um, all of our staffers and members and volunteers who were down at the Capitol. On um, today's signy die, uh, weird Latin word for uh, the last day of the legislative session. Um, Georgia has a part-time legislative session. It's 40 days. And so they are done today. Um, and... Uh, You know, there are a lot of moving pieces. There's still some of the trash anti-voting bills because, you know, while um, SB 202 is a big deal, um, that Georgia Republicans introduced um, over 50 anti-voting bills this legislative session. And so... We have a team down there keeping their eyes on the process, but we also have credible intel that there are uh, militias, right-wing militias mobilizing folks that are armed. And we legit just saw uh, four Capitol Police officers drag out a sitting member of the legislature for knocking on the door. So we feel like there are um, there are these right-wing militias that are armed. There are Capitol Police that are armed. And then there's our staff that's like armed with the blood of Jesus and good intentions. And it's not enough. Uh, And so we pulled them uh, from the Capitol literally just a few seconds ago um, as we are preparing. But we are continuing to escalate on this corporate accountability campaign. And we're continuing to push for the passage of H.R. 1 and H.R. 4. It's just that we don't want to martyr ourselves in the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Makes sense. You got to pl- play the long game. Right. And say, can you break down the bill and explain to our listeners the elements that are the most insidious? Ay, ay, ay. So let me start by saying that there's nothing redeemable in these bills. Like it is chock full of awfulness. Uh, but we are talking about um, reducing the number of early voting days, reducing the number of drop boxes in counties, moving drop boxes inside county boards of elections. Georgians won't have access to drop boxes after 5 p.m. And if anyone knows about the whole reason, the central conceit of drop boxes in commercial settings is that it gives customers access to the business outside of business hours. So if you're a nine to fiver, you won't be able to drop off your absentee ballot after 5 p.m. Uh, a lot has been written and said about the work to criminalize uh, the passing out of water and foods and, and anything with value at the uh, polling locations. Um, that is particularly egregious because we do it in polling locations where there are extraordinarily long lines. Georgians have made history for waiting 8, 9, 10, 11 hours in line to vote. Um, and And so we bring our elders lawn chairs, right? We bring people portable cell phone chargers because no one expected to put in a full shift on their feet uh, in exchange for the right to vote. The really insidious parts that, again, are not getting a lot of coverage is um, two, two things. One, that the state legislature gets to determine whether or not a county is, uh, like, conducting elections properly and they would they get to fire the uh, elections officer or the person who runs elections in the county if the legislature determines that um, they aren't doing their jobs well and they basically fired Brad Raffensperger um, I want to just pour out a little sum for him because he is definitely getting bullied at home and it's sad. Um, so they have taken the majority of his responsibilities as Georgia's chief elections officer and put it on themselves, uh, themselves being the Georgia state legislature. So, uh, so that um, they are doing what Trump was not able to do. Uh, and so Raffensperger is no longer the chair of the state elections board. He is now an ex officio non-voting member. So he's just there to look pretty. He is not responsible for setting rules, is not allowed to remove, uh, you know, county board of elections officials, again, who um, who they deem are not following the law. So they fire Brad Raffensperger um, and they have accomplished, what, 60 lawsuits uh, uh, by the Trump administration and by those bullying phone calls um, were not able to. Um, and that's just Senate Bill 202. And like I said, um, the legislative session ends today, and there are a couple dozen more that are still on the table that we want to make sure they actually die. Mm-hmm. Does all of this work that they're doing feel like attack an attack on your work personally? Like you worked so hard to flip Georgia. And does the uh, fierceness of their pushback motivate you to come back even harder? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, but here's why. Because I am now convinced that attacking the right to vote and attacking our democracy is the unifying issue for the far right and for the GOP in this moment. Uh, there are 43 states. I mean, yes, uh, we in Georgia are definitely in our Zora Neale Hurston bag. Uh, Zora Neale Hurston says that... Um, If you're silent about your pain, they will kill you and say that you enjoyed it, right? And so we refuse to be silent. We're making a lot of noise. We're going, there's a corporate accountability campaign. We've been talking to Chuck Schumer, anyone who will listen to us uh, about this particular issue. Um, But I'm clear. I know these jokers. They didn't write this legislation at all. Uh, and they certainly didn't write it so that it could have the same language in 42 other states. So we're talking about the Heritage Foundation. We're talking about Heritage Action. Uh, we're talking about the American Legislative Exchange Council and the GOP. We see them moving. They're moving scared. They're, they're desperate. And they're, and again, there, I am now convinced that the attacking the right to vote is the central organizing issue for the GOP in this moment. You got Mitch McConnell out here threatening people, uh, saying, you know, that he will gum up the works in the Senate and it'll be worse than a 100 car pileup if they get rid of the filibuster as if that hasn't been what he's been doing for the past 12 years, right? Uh, and so there's no reason for Chuck Schumer and the Senate Dems and Senate uh, Senator Warnock and Ossoff to lay down in this moment. Um, and so I am absolutely encouraged. Uh, we are absolutely pushing back and we understand how critical this is, how existential this is, how urgent this is. Okay, so... After the special elections in January, a lot of people credited uh, your group and other organizers for delivering both Georgia Senate seats to the Democrats and basically saving American democracy. What is the most memorable way a stranger tried to thank you or your organization after the election? And how can listeners support you and the efforts of the New Georgia Project as you embark on yet another battle? Um... The most memorable way. Listen, I don't know how the word got out, but I have so much whiskey at my house. (laughs) (laughs) And I thank each and every one of you. (laughs) Um, I think so. That's not strange. That's just, you know, welcome. Uh, I, I welcome the bounty, the abundance. Um, but I got an Ensei cookie. Uh, so there's a baker. I got to figure out what her name is, uh, who found us on Instagram and basically took my Instagram profile picture and turned it into cookies. Uh, That's amazing. And it was like, I'm going to eat these. (laughs) 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 Just so you know. Um, So very grateful for that. Very grateful for, you know, all of the love and all of the support um, for the work that we continue to do that, you know, we are trying to, we're building an ecosystem. We're a part of an ecosystem. We're building a sort of culture of civic engagement that lasts beyond one election cycle. And so this is the stuff that powers us as individuals. This is the stuff that powers our organization. Amazing. Um, Okay, so the last time we spoke, Ensei, it was right before Christmas. I remember this very, very well because I asked you how you felt about the Senate elections. And you came out like, oh, yeah, we got them. 
we got him. You were so confident and um and you were right. You were completely right. So as somebody who's on the ground, how do you feel about this battle? Do you think that you guys have a shot of pushing back enough that you stop it? Yes. Um, and because it's not just us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, there is, I think there's a growing recognition. I mean, I think we, for the most part, are not trash human beings. For the most part, like, you know, we are members of polite society. And so the idea that, you know, a Ted Cruz or a Mitch McConnell can, like, align themselves with white supremacists and people who broke into the Capitol, murdered police officers, carried a Confederate flag, and accomplished what Confederate soldiers were not able to, which is flying the Confederate flag inside the people's house. The idea that our leaders would align themselves uh, with just open, blatant, violent racists, uh, it offends people's sensibilities. And so, you know, folks are trying to make sense of it, trying to wrap their heads around it. You are seeing exactly what the hell you think you are seeing, that white supremacists uh, and, and would-be authoritarians have taken over the GOP and they are playing for keeps, right? That they will stop at nothing to hold on to power, right? That we live in an age where hot wars are expensive, they're bloody, and that a cold war via misinformation and a disinformation information campaign, it is just as likely to destabilize a government without all of the nasty and pesky bloodshed that gets in the way, right? And so, um, one, I want to make sure that my brothers are listening, Aaron, when you said that I was right. Uh, I want them to, <laughs> to acknowledge that and embrace that. I mean, my, like, actual brothers. Uh, <laughs> like, How many do you have? Um, four. Oh, wow. So they've got a lot of listening to catch up. Right, right, right. And I got a lot of talking. Uh, But I say all that to say that this is happening, right? That the Heritage Action, which is like the advocacy arm of the Heritage Foundation, just quickly dropped almost a million dollars on ads in Georgia to build support for SB202. The thing that's significant about that is not just how quickly they moved, but the fact that the Heritage Action has never weighed in on state legislative fights, ever. That's not what they do. They work at the federal level, right? And so the fact that these bills contain the similar language in 42 other states besides Georgia. Um, The fact that they're the Republicans in the GOP, they're having these emergency phone calls, like what are we going to do about election integrity and election security? I mean, they, they, they are scared. They are desperate. And they are acting in the ways that scared and desperate people do. And that is why we are committed to being organized, uh, to making sure that we are vigilant uh, in this moment um, and that we aren't taking any tool out of our tool belt um, in order to fix this. So that is H.R. 1 and H.R. 4. That is filing a lawsuit. We filed a lawsuit minutes after Governor Kemp, our asterisk governor, signed it into law. Um, And so I've said it before and I'll say it again. In our community, they say that if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Uh, And so we know what this is. We want people to sort of accept it. It's hard, uh, but that but but know that we can fix this, that you cannot fix what you have not faced. And so we are facing that our government is under attack from the inside um, and then doing everything that we can to stop it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Ense, I could just talk to you all day. Thank you so much for coming by once again. Check out the New Georgia Project, please. Everyone listening, they do great work. And listeners who want to know more on how you can engage to, and pass the For the People Act, you can just go to votesaveamerica.com slash for the people. Super important. Ense Ufat, thank you again so much. Thank you so much for having me, Alyssa and Aaron. Take care. Take care. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. And welcome back. We are at the part of the show where Alyssa and I are joined by two other women that we love, that you love. Um, Just to let everyone know, listeners, a little behind the curtain info. This week, we gabbed about cars and apartment rentals for about 10 minutes before we even started recording. And that is not the topic of the show. So we're excited to talk to each other and we're excited for you to hear it. Um, Introducing both of them now. First, she is a comedian, an actor, and your imaginary best friend. You can catch her on CBS's The Unicorn. It's Michaela Watkins. (laughs) Hello. 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 How does it feel to be an imaginary best friend? Oh my God. I I wonder if that's really just only true for you, Erin. But I'm just going to go with that and just let that fill me with with warm, fuzzy clouds today. <laughs> Amazing. Warm, fuzzy cloud filled Michaela Watkins. Great. Yes. Um, next up, we haven't seen her in a while and we're so glad to have her back. Uh, she is a comedian. She is a writer. And you can check out her new podcast with Naomi Ekparrigan. Heard of her. Uh, the podcast is called I Love a Lifetime Movie. Welcome, Megan Gailey. Hi, guys. I couldn't do last week because I was, gosh, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. I was starting couples therapy, not Naomi's other podcast. We're in a good place, but I said, we need some tools and we need some (laughs) outside people. And it's very hard to convince a man in their 30s to go to therapy. And I did it and I feel really accomplished. (laughs) Then you married the right guy. Because that's, that's great. Well, and, and we're having fun. Like, you know, one of us will do something and I'm like, I'm telling Dr. Jenny, you know, we're already <laughs> having some some fun with the, um, no, no one cried, but we did have to like look into each other's eyes and like say things we're grateful. And then at the end, she was like, how do you always feel? I go, I love this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't cry? That's the stuff no, that's like, that no. just like hooks my little emotional life up to a nuclear submarine. I cry in in alone therapy, but couples therapy, I'm still on my best behavior, I think. If there's another person in the room, including your husband, it's a performance. But if it's just you and your therapist, it's just, it's waterworks. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. That's so funny. And secretly, you always want the therapist to think like you were- You're right. You're both lawyers representing yourselves in this like <laughs> yeah. emotional courtroom that like really has no authority mm-hmm. except for you to mm-hmm. be like, ha, 
Yes. See? I'm saying I know I have issues, but what I'm really saying is look how relatable and normal <laughs> I am to even admit that. <laughs> right. Wow. Congratulations. You know, it's funny. The roles are totally reversed in my relationship. My husband is a lot more like, you know, you think, you know, you should, maybe maybe we could try to go to therapy. And I'm like, no, we're not doing <laughs> Wow. Therapy I mean, is for suckers. I mean, Are we no. suckers? No, we're not suckers. <laughs> therapy is good, but I just don't like hearing you talk about it, Megan, as like coming from a good place and going mm-hmm. there and having it be a positive experience is like a new, it's a way that I've, it's a way I haven't really thought of couples therapy before. Yeah, we we just honestly like reached a point where I was like, we're good, but I feel like we I mean, we were talking about this with Subaru. Let's be great. You know, like <laughs> let's just let's just level up and then because I'm well, this is a segue into the topic. I'm getting really jealous of all these single people that are talking about what a horny summer it's gonna be. And we've been trapped trapped inside with our spouses, and it's like the, the horniness is a little worn off at this point. <laughs> Yeah, the other night I kicked Josh out of bed for coughing. I was no. like, oh, okay, Aaron, come on, girl. Uh, no, I'm, I'm he was, Josh. <laughs> here's how he was doing it, though. Like, okay, so he does this he was thing. aggressively he, coughing. He clears his throat at five-minute intervals. So it's impossible for me to, I'll be, like, in the process of falling asleep, and I'll hear a cough, <clears throat> and it's like, you, you got to get out of bed. This is... Right. Were you timing it? it? Were you timing it? Were you at the point where you were like, it is five minutes. I gave him him three throat clears with five minute space outs in between. And I was like, you got to go. It's strike three. (laughs) Well, because at that point, it's going to take you a solid 30 to unwind from how mad you are about the 15. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Okay. So Megan brought it up uh, and I want to segue into the topic of today. And that is uh, the summer that we have coming towards us and the big question marks all around it. Like we have people saying that it's going to be a very horny summer. We have single people who are just like, who've been indoors picking their toenails for the last year. And they're like, I want to, you know, bone or whatever. And then we have people who have been stuck inside with their spouses and they're really excited to socialize with their friends again. And then you have people who um, are maybe still a little bit rocked by all of this COVID stuff and, and, and don't know if they can go out and act normal again. And then you have people like me who are like, I, how do I talk to people? What do we converse mm-hmm. about? What's going on? So Alyssa, um, I'm going to start with you. What do you think this summer is going to be like? I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. I'm very nervous. Like, okay. So I'm, Okay, over the past year, I realized that there were a lot of people I spent time with that I really don't have to, right? So on the one hand, I am very glad that I got my first dose of vaccine. The other hand, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have said anything so I could still keep using it as an excuse to be in my house. (laughs) Um, Because I don't no, like on the one hand, there are still so many unknowns. Like we, we don't know how long the vaccine lasts. We, you know, there are just things we don't know. So I would still like to be a little bit careful. However, I would really like to go to a restaurant and have a cocktail and not do my own dishes. (laughs) Megan, how, what's your prediction for this summer? Do you think it's going to be a summer of people going wild or do you think that it's just going to be different and weird? It's so I, I've I live in like a what would be called as like a happening neighborhood of LA, and you know you have I'm I'm vaxxed now, and so there's a lot of outdoor places, and I want to have a drink, and there's already 
lines and crowds. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Like, I, <laughs> I, I want it to be a somewhere where it's just me and my friends going out and not <laughs> don't have to see anyone else I don't know. But it, and like traffic is already back in LA. Like all of, it feels like a lot of the bad has already come back and we're not really getting any of the good yet. And it's like, I really just want to see my nieces and nephew. And that still feels a ways off. Like my crew is kids and kids can't get vaxxed. And so <laughs> I'm at a bit of a sad disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Michaela, how about you? What are your predictions about this coming summer? Well, I don't know what in the last four or five years has made us think that like things are going to be fine. Like <laughs> nothing, not, we've not woken up a single day and been like, all better. So I don't know why anybody thinks this summer is going to be any different. Why this summer we're going to suddenly like have, have like come together as a nation, all like gotten vaxxed, had herd immunity, you know, beat the clock. Because like, you know, Alyssa was saying, like, we don't know. This, this vax could only last six to eight months, you know? Mm-hmm. And then if we're not ahead of it, we're fucked. We're so mm-hmm. fucked, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know. I I just don't think they're, uh, uh, this country is cohesive enough to like really get on board and be um, sophisticated, evolved enough, um, first world enough to do it, you know? Like we really gone down the shitter in that area of like, take care of your brethren. So uh, um, I, I think like there will, what I like is if you follow the rules of of how Biden is suggesting we go forward, like if you're, you know, and how Fauci are like, if you're, if you're vaxxed and the other person's vaxxed, go hang out inside, masks off, pants off, do your thing. <laughs> but if, if you're not, you know, uh, or, or just do it with one family. For me, it's like a prescription for how to re-enter society anyway. I'm really, it's like a built-in uh, uh, boundaries of how I have to re-enter society. I'm only ready for one fucking family at a time, you know? <laughs> and then we can build slowly to two or three. And and I love that, like, we can shame people for, uh, or, or exclude people almost, be like, oh, you're not vaccinated? Oh, mm, well... I'm having a barbecue, but, um, but you know what? You should, you should FaceTime us. You know, <laughs> so I, I sort of like the rollout. I just don't trust that like some weird fucking strain from, you know, Iceland isn't going to come get us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, on the topic of vaccines, like have, has everybody here gotten at least one round? Yeah. Everybody, anybody just, fully yeah. vaxxed? No, no I not just out got, of the woods yet. Mm-mm. I just got my first one Monday. Okay. And yeah. Alyssa, you just got your first one yesterday. Yes, I did. And Megan, when did you get your first one? I so I've gotten my second one now, but I'm not I'm not I haven't reached the two week. Like I got my second one like a few days ago. Oh okay. So and I mean, and that's another then you want to be like, I'm free. And it's like, no, you gotta wait two weeks. <laughs> You're not <laughs> even fully free. Yeah, although there was that study that came out this week that was pretty encouraging about people who had had the one dose of the Pfizer vaccine and had mm-hmm. like the two weeks they had a, a pretty high like effective. That's what I had. I hope so. Yeah, yeah I, that's great. what I had too. I have one that's dose I of the Pfizer because I have to get mm-hmm. on a plane uh, for work in like two weeks or something. Wow, I didn't even know they yeah. were back to making us do that yet. Yeah, yeah they're, they're <laughs> sure they are trying. Found, um, they found it eighty percent 
effective rate of one dose of the Pfizer among healthcare workers. So that should provide you a little bit of reassurance. Great. Before that you get makes me feel so good, Erin. I've read that literally nowhere. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it came out yesterday. Um, did any of you have trouble with the vaccine scheduling thing? Because like, I know that, so Michaela, Megan, and I are all in California. Alyssa, you're in New York, and mm-hmm. every state is doing their own thing. Um, like Megan, ha- did you have trouble scheduling? Did you have to show up? Like what, what was your process like? You know, I am lucky enough to have like one friend who's really smart at everything. And so I had a friend be like, this is what I did and just like laid it out for me. And, and but it was, st- then I had to do that for my husband. Like <laughs> it was still challenging. And I had like a laptop and, and some somewhat tech savvy, but it was difficult. And I had a long wait too. Like I was in line for my first one for over two hours. And I was, I was fine. I was like totally almost thrilled because it's like, you're waiting for such a good thing. Yeah. Um, Michaela, I wonder what you make of like, so you had to get vaccinated because your job requires you to travel and like, you have to, you're required to be in close proximity to other people. I've been seeing kind of like reports over the last couple of weeks of people being judgmental of other people who've gotten the vaccine. Like what's your- Yeah, that was me. I was the judgmental one. I was the one who was like, can we just get teachers in there before you and your fucking tea parties? (laughs) Um, yeah, that that was me. That would have been me. Um, and I I was very adamant about, I like rules. I like societal mm-hmm. rules. I like to figure out ways around them, but sometimes. Um, but I do, like, I like, you know, when I would figure out how to board a plane ahead of other people, you know, when mm-hmm. I was- Oh, yes. I was like, okay, if you um, get this row, you can get in at this point because they board the middle of the plane, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, um, I like the rules and I really- felt very strongly that teachers, I, I was very mad about how they rolled out the vaccine here in California mm-hmm. because there wasn't a lot of information for people. Um, eligibility, people who were eligible probably weren't even getting the message, the memo that where they were happening. People who were sitting at home writing um, and on Zooms and were fine to do, you know, were, were in a safe like work environment because they just had to report to Zoom every day. Uh, were so on top of where I got like 20 texts and emails every day about, Hey, if you go to this place, you go to that Ugh. place, you go to this mm-hmm. place. And I, I was super fucking judgy about it. I'm not yeah. going to lie. And then as soon as I knew I had to be on set in a state that's, um, doesn't have great numbers and I had a fly and I don't get to wear a mask, uh, at my job. And I am around a lot of people. And I heard that I, the, the rumor was the rumor was that if you're in entertainment or talent, then you then you work in congregate spaces, okay? Mm-hmm. But I had to go to Best Buy to fix my phone, and the guy who was helping me in the Geek Squad was, you know, in a congregate space, and he didn't mm-hmm. know he was eligible. So I, I, I think it's like very confusing, and I also my my other thing was I'm not going to lie, like I'm going to fill it out. If somebody asks for proof, I'm going to give them my pay stubs and you know show them. Mm-hmm. If that's not enough for them then I live with this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, it was very easy for me. I made an appointment at CVS. I went in, no wait. It was very organized. It was very, it was wonderful. I was a little, um, a little, I was ready to be very emotional about it. And then I was very not emotional. Mm -hmm. It just seemed like a very strange, weird thing that we just do now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, but over the days, you know, it's been now three days, I'm starting to feel like 
this is fucking great. Like I have some something in my body that is going to allow me to be inside with somebody without a mask and get to break those nervous habits of just being like the fucking crossing guard at every social interaction, you know, being like, is your mask over your nose? Are you, you know, I don't <laughs> want to be that person anymore. And I'm so excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Alyssa, did you, when you got your shot yesterday in uh, New York, what did you notice about like the scene there? Where, where Was it mostly people who were like qualified or were there people who had really suspicious what the New York, like faux morbidities? Yesterday was the first day of 30 and over uh, in New York. And what a club, what a club. Well, I laughed because we went from 50 and over to 30 and over. And I was like, what is the fucking value of being 45 if I don't get my day in the sun? But I, uh, you know, it was pretty hard to, now you- Megan, I am one of those friends who's always the one who's fucking on it, who's got the post-it that's like, here's how you get it, boom, boom, boom. And it was actually, just like they say, I just kept refreshing and refreshing and it kept saying no appointments within 50 miles, no appointments within 50 miles. And then suddenly the Red Hook Hannaford just had a gift of a 315 and I was (laughs) like, I'll be there. I got there. I've got a golden ticket. Oh, <laughs> so orderly, so orderly. The signs all point you. And, you know, of course, I'm just such a fucking nerd that when the pharmacist came to give me my little shot, also, I came armed with all this information. You would have thought I was trying to score Oxy. I had my insurance <laughs> card. I had a billing statement proving that I lived where I lived. I mean, I was such a fucking lunatic. And then I'm like, so tell me. Is everyone as excited as I am to like get the shot? And he's like, no, about 50%. (laughs) He's like, about 25% are pissed. It's not the J&J. And another 25% don't believe that the uh, vaccine is necessary, that COVID is actually all that bad, but they want to see their grandkids. And Mm. I was like, oh, that is like a very uh, good way to get people to do it. But like you, Michaela, I didn't get like very emotional when I was there. But when I texted my BFF since the fifth grade and I was like, boo, I got my shot. And she's like, I'm getting mine tomorrow. And I got all, Eva, get a little Mm -hmm. teary eyed because I have not hugged her in, uh, since we went to see Celine Dion last February. And that is a very long time for us to not be able to touch each other since my signature move is kamikazeing her like Miss Piggy does to Kermit the Frog. And so I hope she's listening because that is what is coming your way after we are double dosed in two weeks, two weeks gone. Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing. I hope you film it. I hope you film it. Oh, don't Oh my God. I'll attack her. I felt more excited for other people. Like when my parents got it, I sobbed. Um, Even like my husband, like other people around me, I felt much more relief and joy than when I got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I I felt the same way when my mom got it. She works in a public school and also my brother is a public defender. And so he's in like jails a lot. And it made me feel like good that, you know, he got, and also my sister-in-law is like a social worker at a hospital and she works with like kids that have cancer. And so I was obviously very glad when she got it as well, since she's working with such a vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Alyssa, I want to revisit real quick the the parents holding, using their kids as like bargaining yeah. chips with grandparents. Can we just like salute those parents real quick? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's awesome. It really feels like a winning strategy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, cuz everyone, we've all gotten used to those zooms, but who doesn't want to smush their grandbaby? Mm-hmm. And you can. 
Just go to the <laughs> CVS, get your dose. <laughs> that's that's such a great strategy. Um, I want to pivot real quick because, you know, summer predictions have been sort of a thing that people have been doing, despite the fact that we have very little information on what's actually going to happen. We have CDC officials saying like, oh, guys, careful, careful, possible doom. And we're like, no, no, horniness, horniness. We're doing horniness. <laughs> um, meanwhile, we have Chet Hanks, public health official Chet Hanks, uh, <laughs> son of uh, Tom Hanks, somehow. Mm-hmm. This week, he declared that 2021 is going to be the year of white boy summer, which Mm -hmm. is a a phraseology that makes me a little bit nervous uh, because I think we already had a a white boy event on January 6th. (laughs) Jews will not replace us. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I you know, this morning I was like talking about it with Josh, like what is going to change in the summer or whatever. And he said that he thinks that people who are single are probably going to keep doing the thing that they were doing during the pandemic, which is have like a lot of vetting before they even meet, like doing a Zoom conversation where they make mm-hmm. sure that they're actually after the same things. So I think a lot of like dating obnoxiousness and heartbreak and confusion comes from people just like not communicating clearly. And jumping in. Yeah. I see. I think there's going to be this like feeling, and this is what I, I do worry about is that you know, I would call it why we can't have nice things summer. Mm. Because I think people are going to really, like, just feel like, even in their social media, it has to reflect this, like, I'm back and back with a vengeance and jumping into everything as sort of a, a, a way to even identify themselves. And mm-hmm. um, I, I read this great article that, that you know, the dad body is back. I think that that really bodes well for a lot of people. I, I want to know if like the mom body, is the mom body back? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's a great point. That too? <laughs> yeah. yeah, men love to declare things that happen to them out of laziness as in style. Um, I don't think men should beat themselves up trying to reach an impossible beauty standard. But like if the dad bod is in, the mom bod mm-hmm. has to be in. Let's yes. let's be fair. Alyssa, what rules would you try to install in a in a summer that is maybe not white boy summer, but some sort of like post-COVID summer? Post-COVID summer, I think that if you're inside with people, they should be vaccinated. I think we shouldn't start hugging. Like, mm. I just think that that's like a 2022 thing. That's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? So those are my big ones. I just think that we should keep with the elbow bump for a little while. And I think that things are, people are going to be really hopped up to go and do fun things. And like Megan said, it's like you go to a restaurant and there's a line. So like also let's practice patience this summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meg, Megan, how about you? What do you think the the new rules for uh, white boy or post-COVID or whatever summer are going to be? Um, the rules, gosh, I, I think whatever body people are coming out of this with, we got to go, you, that, that's a great, perfect. That's right where you're (laughs) supposed to be. Um, I just, I'm, I'm doing it and I'm worried that I already hear other people being like, I don't look good and I don't want to see people this way. And it's like, if you made it, you made it and whatever shape you're emerging (laughs) from, we're happy to have it. And I just wish it wasn't a summer (laughs) that we had to reveal these bodies. I wish it was more of a horny winter, but, uh, (laughs) but they're coming (laughs) and I got new varicose veins and you're going to see like, let's just all really embrace these bodies that got us through this time and feel good about them and and not feel shame. And I'm saying this to myself mostly. 
I went through my closet because I I was like, while I have the window, I want to finally do that thing I said I was going to do all year and uh, really clean out my closet. And every single thing I was like, I don't know if I wear this. I don't know (laughs) if I use this. How would I know? I haven't worn clothes. And so I'm excited for the summer to actually shave a leg. You know what I mean? (laughs) Shave a leg. Oh my God. Put on a skirt. Oh my God. Wear a, a, a sexy Birkenstock. Oh my God. Well, that's, that's, let's not get crazy, Michaela, with a, a sexy, maybe a platform Birkenstock to elongate the, the ankle or whatever. Um, the closet thing is so familiar. I have all of these dresses that I carted from New York to LA because I was like, I had a punditry career. And I was like, you know, in shots on CNN where they could see my whole body. And so I was like, well, I better have these like primary color solid dresses. And I just kept them because I was like, they're nice. I can't throw them away. They're nice. I haven't worn them in years. They take (laughs) up half my closet. I don't know what I'm going to do. But you know what I did do? Um, I think I'm going to downsize. I think this summer is a summer of me downsizing. Um, I'm going to peacock less. And by peacocking, I mean like, the clothes that I'm like, I'll wear this once every six months. No, I'm just getting rid of it. I'm just going to get like staples I can rewear. And if people are like, her clothes are boring, fine. fucking fine. I just, yeah. can't, <laughs> I, I just can't care about that anymore. But I also um, joined a local buy nothing group on Facebook. Um, I don't like mm-hmm. Facebook, but I do like this. So there are these buy nothing groups that are divided by neighborhoods usually, especially if you live in a city. And people just go, the rules are like, you offer up something. It's not for bartering. It's just if you have something to, to give away, you just offer it up. Or if you're looking for something, you say you're looking for something. And uh, people, like, it's it's this weird, like, free economy of people being like, I've got this, like, little kid activity set with, like, blocks that I'm getting rid of. And someone will say, like, I'll take that, and they'll pick it up. Um, everything from, like, extra glass bottles to... Um, stuff that like people would actually use like shelves or whatever, like furniture and stuff. And it's like, it's super cool. Yeah. We have a, we have a give and take here on Facebook. Oh, you have a give and take? Yeah. And it's amazing what people will take. I could be like, (laughs) I have some Pepsi bottles. It's a two liter kind. Uh, One of them is missing a label. And somebody be like, I can't get it. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. I I think that's how I'm going to get rid of all these extra books. Like I finished reading them and it's like, do I need these to stay around? I did a thing where I took out these books that I read, loved, and never wanted to part with because I read them and loved them. Mm -hmm. And then I made a gift pile. And I think it's totally acceptable to give used books to people as presents. I I mean, I don't, I don't think it is because I I always feel bad doing it. And I always throw in like a lipstick or something, Mm -hmm. but I, I think we should make it acceptable to give people perfectly good used books as that you've enjoyed as presents. Mm. As an actual, I agree like, with it. you entirely. Yeah, definitely. So our white boy summer among us women of various backgrounds. Feels very Marie Kondo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of downsizing. Like I just like, you know, I haven't been drinking for the last few months and like that feels really good. It's crazy how well my brain works. Uh, when I'm not drinking. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a real nice thing. I almost feel like, you know, as people are going out and like enjoying, like looking forward to being at bars and stuff, I kind of want to shed all the things that I was doing when I was shut indoors that made me feel like crap, you Mm -hmm. know? 
I, I, I think it's so interesting, Alyssa, that you say no hugging yet, even if even if you're vaxxed. I just want to know your feelings on that real fast. I mean, if I know you're vaxxed. Okay. You know what Got I it. mean? But like if I yeah. haven't seen you in forever and you're not like one of my closest and nearest and dearest, I just don't think we need to restart hugging mm-hmm. people we didn't necessarily want to be hugging in the first place. No, I didn't. I wasn't. I I, I did perfunctory hugs. Aaron, you hate hugging. I, I, I think we can agree on this, I right? I don't like it. I like no, hugging. Like I would it. hug both of you guys. Well, yeah. You, know, you, but- you would hug me. And I every time I was like, why do I put her through that? <laughs> I don't think she likes it. <laughs> no, I, no, I would hug both of you guys because I know you and like we work together and we're friends with each other. See, but I know you. I wouldn't even hug you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point of the new dawning of the new day. Okay, let's take the lessons we've learned and use them. Okay. I think the assumptive hug should go away yeah. forever. Um, Megan, what do you make of the possible death of just assuming that you should hug someone. Oh, it's going to be tough for me. I am a hugger. And I know that's like even an embarrassing sentence to say, but I do, maybe this is me tooting my own horn. I do feel like people are happy to get hugs from me. And when they're like, I don't like hugs, they're not talking about Megan's, you know? Um, (laughs) But I do, I'll I'll reel it in. I'm going to do my best. Um, And, and I guess the other huggers out there, I'll just say, yeah, we got to just try and not. And then, and then just wait for the signals. You know what, Megan? You can make yourself a little, like, homemade, like, uh-huh. coupon book. Like, the kinds of things we would make for, like, our moms for Mother's Day when we were kids. And you could just put IOU one yeah. hug. And instead of giving people hugs, you could just give them a little piece of yeah. paper. It's like the, the thoughts Yeah, and if there, their face you know? lights the- up, I just go for it right then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and someone is like, thanks. And they put it in their purse. You're like, okay, not hugging this person anymore. <laughs> Um, Okay, awesome. Guys, uh, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I feel petty. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Okay, we are back. We are almost done with the show, but we're not quite done with the show, which means it's time for us to talk about things that we are feeling petty about. But before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping. Just a small amount of housekeeping this week. There's some new merch in the store. You know you guys love our merch. A lot of you have been sending us pictures of you with your Fuck That Guy mugs. We love that. We've gotten some Not My Jar of Jam selfies as well. Uh, A lot of great merch in the store right now, but the new merch is... Let Women Run Shit merch. We have brand new Hysteria merch. It's uh, There's a cropped tee, and then there's also a uh, regular tee for people who prefer their shirts to be long, which is me. So check out the Let Women Run Shit merch in the Crooked store right now. That is at crooked.com slash store. Okay, the house has been kept. Let's get petty. 
All right, uh, Megan, I'm going to have you go first this time because as I understand it, your car is angry at you and you need to go out there and deal with a hostile man who's yeah, trying to he help you. Yeah, gave me a five-minute warning. <laughs> I said I'm okay. on a very important call. If I said podcast, he'd throw my car in the ocean. Um, okay, so my <laughs> I feel petty. I have not watched one second of the men's NCAA tournament this year. It's just like I'm so mad at the NCAA and I love these boys, but it's just hard for me to like do it. But I have been watching the women and there was a Baylor-UConn game this week, and it got more press than any of the men's games. They opened SportsCenter. They got, like, the proper sit-down. Like, it was getting Tom Brady-level coverage. And, of course, I think the young men deserve their time to shine, too. But I was just so thrilled that, for once, the women were the headline. And it made me so happy. Mm -hmm. And and Baylor lost. And I just, I, I love that after this, weight room controversy, it does feel like the ship has been righted and the women are getting their time to shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of got stress and affected a little yeah. bit, huh? Like if if the weight room thing hadn't happened, I mean, women's college basketball is objectively awesome, especially tournament time. It's just so much fun. They There's lashes so too, full sets of lashes on these athletes. Full sets of lashes. And like they look, okay, some of them look impossibly beautiful mm-hmm. as they're doing like- I can get sweaty on a walk that has too many hills, and these women are playing full-ass basketball games with mm-hmm. lashes. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was really cool to see how many people were excited about the women's NCAA tournament this year. Um, and I, I think, I think Megan and I agree with you. That I think they're more exciting than the, than the men now. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that petty. That's just true. Okay, thank you. All right. Megan, go tend to your okay, car thanks, and the, the angry man out there. If you never see me again, a 2017 Jetta killed me. <laughs> okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> All right, see you soon, Megan. Bye, Megan. Good luck. All right, uh, I'll go with my I feel petty thing next. And here's the thing I feel petty about. Zoos. I can't enjoy a zoo anymore. I, just, I get it. I, I just simply cannot. And I used to love them so much as a kid. And yeah. I used to, uh, I understand that they used to have some importance for like preservation because they gave people a chance to see these animals up close. But now we have like hyper, like ultra HD TV stuff. And like, you can get way closer to a snow leopard on by watching planet earth than you ever could in a zoo. And I just, you, you see like videos of, of tigers pacing back and forth cause they're bored in their cages. They're mental. Yeah, it just makes me really sad. However, I do support uh, ethical aquariums. I Mm -hmm. fucking love an aquarium. The Monterey (sighs) Bay Aquarium here in California, incredible. The Shed Aquarium in Chicago, two of the ultimate great animal looking at days possible. Um, It's probably cleaner than the ocean. Totally cleaner than the ocean, yeah. There's a lot of like floating stuff in the ocean turns out uh, that, yeah. that you maybe don't want to touch because it's gunky. But um, yeah, I love, an aqu- I love an aquarium. I can't do a zoo anymore. That's what I feel petty about this week. I get it. That doesn't yeah. feel that petty. That feels just very reasonable and smart and something I completely co-sign. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's petty. I mean, unless they're like zoos that are specifically rehabilitating, you know, animals or doing something, that's their only mission. But I grew up, see, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, and we had one of like the top 10 worst zoos in the country. We had an elephant that was behind these like big giant steel bollards in a tiny room. And 
And then I think they were shut down, actually. And then they had to redo their whole elephant uh, sanctuary area. And they did a really good job. But even as a little kid, I was like, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, I guess it wasn't that petty. Uh, But Alyssa, Alyssa, what do you feel petty about this week? Oh, mine's pretty petty. Okay. Okay. So let me just stipulate up front that I believe everybody has a right to a defense, okay? Mm-hmm. Everybody. Yes. However, <laughs> Eric Nelson, who is representing Derek Chauvin, literally reminds me of every Okay, if you had boyfriends in high school, mm-hmm. pick the least cool and now make mm-hmm. him a villain. And that is what he reminds me of and I can't watch him and not think it. I my aforementioned BFF Kara, I was like, "Do you remember so and so from high school?" Isn't Eric Nelson just like the villain version of him? She's like, oh my God, yes. And so I just, like, I just, I'm mad at him every time. Also, I didn't really love how the judge talked to Genevieve the firefighter, but that's separate. But mostly Mm -hmm. Eric Nelson is your uncoolest high school boyfriend turned villain. I can't unsee that. That is such a like classic Minnesota, like high paid defense attorney type. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the meanest guy on the hockey team. You know, but yeah. like, but not when he was on the hockey team. Do you know what right. I mean? Because he right. wasn't. This guy wasn't cool in high school. Right, right. The meanest guy on, who on the pee wee hockey team. Yeah. He wasn't good enough to play high school hockey. Right but, now he's got a big job. Uh, <sighs> great, great. And he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's making it all of our problems. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't like him either, and and now I'm not going to be able to unthink that. Uh, Michaela, what do you feel petty about this week? Uh, this is, we're going from not petty, sort of petty to the pettiest. Uh, I uh, had a whole breakdown of communication last week. I, My phone, my my new phone that I never even really wanted. Oh, I uh, saw it, this. Oh, it just, uh, it just quit one night. Just like it went to bed. It was fine. It never woke up. Um, I was sent, I live an hour away from, you know, big box stores where, or Apple stores or anything like that. So uh, I was sent by Apple to these places. They couldn't, they were ready to give me a new phone, but then they couldn't figure out the Apple paperwork, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like a pandemic sitting in these big stores, not feeling comfortable, um, being ashamed of not feeling comfortable. Cause I know that people go to work there every day. And here I am being like, I'm here for two hours. And, uh, um, I got, I get it. And then I had to go to another Apple store. <laughs> I lost my driver's license and credit card while I was at that Apple store. Oh, no. <laughs> Every time I, I got home with my phone, um, they didn't put the SIM card in my new phone. So now I still didn't have a phone. It was like three days. And um, and I had no driver's license and, and I have to travel and I wanted to get the vaccine and you got to show your ID. And it was just a round robin uh, daisy chain of frustration. By the time I talked to Apple, I was very clear and I was very direct and, you know, they have, they have to retread these questions that they ask a lot. And and so I was kind of ahead of it. And I was like, yeah, 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 I did. I did that. I did that. I know. No, that doesn't, that's not, that doesn't apply to me because blah, blah, blah. Like I just said, you know, and she said, ma'am, I understand you're upset, but you don't have to be so rude. (gasps) And I, I have the, I, I was like tears just sprung in my eyes. Like I felt so embarrassed and ashamed that she thought I was being rude and I knew, like, I'm like, I'm not raising my voice. I'm just speaking very directly. And I also ha- like have to be in a meeting in, you know, 10 minutes and I got to get this thing going. And I've been so put out by Apple. And 
Apple acts like, you know, there's nothing we can really do to compensate you in any way because even though we're a mega conglomerate, we just can't because, mm-hmm. and I'm like, why are we pretending that this monopoly isn't in a position to like keep customers kind of sane and happy a little bit by mm-hmm. being like, here, let's throw in some earpods. Because honestly, <laughs> if they were like, here's a charging station, I'd be like, it's fine. What worth it? Worth it to be in the car for six hours and stores for 20 hours. <laughs> But she said, you don't have to be so rude. And on the one hand, right, she's right. You know, she's a person and I probably should pause and treat her like I would want to be talked to um, and not treat her like she's um, a representative of this huge uh, corporation. But I wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. and I I wanted to ask her. She said, I'll call back and follow up on Tuesday to make sure this all went through. I wanted to ask her, like, do you say this to men? Mm-hmm. Like, do you say this? To men, like, sir, I understand you're upset, but you don't have to be so rude because you're talking the way you're talking. Like, there's a tone. I mean, you're not yelling and you're not using curse words and you're not saying anything mean. You're just like stating the facts abruptly and quickly to get through them. Mm -hmm. And it's been eating me up all week. Yeah, the subtext of that is like, ladies are supposed to be nice all the time. Like, and nice is we're going out of our way to make the person we're talking to feel comfortable, even if they're in the wrong. And it's like, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with being like direct and straightforward as long as you're not raising your voice or swearing. Like there's, let me give you a little coaching here. Okay. So when you know you're going to get hot about something, right? When you're already, Mm -hmm. when you're entering a conversation at an elevated level of frustration, Mm -hmm. I like to do the, hi, let me say at the outset of this conversation, I know that none of this is your fault, but let me express mm-hmm. to you that I'm already at the end of my rope. And like, it just sets the tone for the convo a little but bit Alyssa, differently. I 100% said that. <gasps> I said, I know, And she still I called know, you rude? I said, I know it's not you. I, I said, I said, I'm frustrated, not at you, obviously, but at Apple. <laughs> and she didn't. Oh, see, I guess I've just been luckier because mostly they're like, we get you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thank you. Yeah, I just, I, I, I was, I was so ashamed. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think, I don't know what the tears were about. They just like, I don't even have tears anymore. Like I'm just a dried up, <laughs> dried up <laughs> husk of a human. And I couldn't believe, like my, when I cry now, my face just contorts, but nothing really happens. And this was like insta tears hmm. came out of my eyeballs. You know what? I think the fact that you were hurt by someone implying that you were rude or that you thought Am I rude is a sign that you are not actually rude. <laughs> I agree. It's like a good sign to be worried. Like the fact that you're worried when someone accuses you of, of like making them uncomfortable is a sign that you're not doing anything wrong, I think. I, I think it triggered like a, we as women are constantly having to patrol our tone all the time. And yeah. I guess I just was like embarrassed if I had been rude. Anyway, this is a long way to say thanks for the therapy session. <laughs> Honestly, we should we could do a whole episode on like tone and like people just deciding that like your tone is off and like the ways that we moderate our tone and stuff like that. I don't think that's yeah. actually a petty thing at all. I it's a small moment, but mm-hmm. it's like a it's a big issue and and now I'm going to be worried today whether or not I'm I'm tonally off. Um I could keep you around all day, Michaela. I would love to have you. I would love to just do a forever Zoom with you guys, but 
<laughs> Alas, we cannot. Um, Michaela Watkins, thank you so much for coming by today. Alyssa, thank, thank you, you so much for being my ride or die per usual. Thank <laughs> you to Megan Gailey and good luck to her on her car troubles. Uh, yeah. We haven't seen her back yet, so I'm hoping she's okay. Yeah, I hope she texts. Yeah, I hope she <laughs> texts. Thank you to Ense Ufat of the New Georgia Project. And a special thank you to Ira Madison and Louis Vertel for the April Fool's Day favor to the show. And if you're not already subscribed, please check out Keep It, where you can hear them both every single week. And thanks to you, the listeners. If you like what you're hearing, please rate us, review us, and tell your friends. And there will be more hysteria for you next week. Hey guys, just a quick note about an hour after we got done recording this on Wednesday, some news broke about Chet Hanks that uh, I, I think it's fair to say did what the kids would call milkshake ducked him. It's an unflattering, complicated, kind of awful story. But we left the Chet Hanks reference into this conversation because it led to a more interesting conversation and the whole talk wasn't about Chet Hanks. So just letting you guys know, we are aware uh, but we had this episode in the bag before we knew. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. I am from another planet. This nation these girls Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastermonico is our co-producer and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Our digital team is Narmel Konian and Matt DeGroot. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com.